You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I remember one recruiting victory that you did get. It's Wes. I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit. And Walker. Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually <laughs> went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. One more hour to go on Weston Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I wanted to get to some more Bill Belichick answers. I think a resounding no, Wes. On yeah, you, people are not feeling old Billy. No, they are not. <laughs> they are not no, feeling old no. Billy. 803 said, yes, Bill Belichick is doing such a fine offensive job right now, right? That's why we would bring him aboard? Yeah, That just feels like such a Carolina move to me, though, that they would go out and try to get him. David Tepper, Carolina move. Yeah, I, and I guess I always just think about the Seifert thing when they went and got him from San Francisco and things like that. I could see them maybe trying to go out and get Belichick to get some of that championship magic to rub off on him. Bebop, Bebop from Rock Thrill said, uh, Tepper already told you what he wants. He wants a yes man because Tepper has the veto power over everything. 704 said no BB. 704 said Bill Belichick, no. Come on, man. I roll emoji. And those are the answers that we got from winning Bill Belichick. Plus some of the you know moves that they made in the past, like when they got Reggie White on the very, 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 very tail end of his career and some of the other legendary players that they got that they were kind of washed so I could see them bringing in a washed Belichick. I would hate it. I, I The reason, I just don't want that to be the idea, that, okay, we can go get these guys. It's been a while since Bill Belichick has, since Tom Brady left. And I think Bill Belichick deserves a lot of credit. I don't want mm-hmm. to have that conversation. You and I can disagree. I really don't want to debate that as we get to the live wire. <laughs> but I think he deserves a lot of credit for what they built in New England. Those defenses were outstanding. But I don't want him now. I, the guy's older. The guy hasn't won in a long time. If you are going to allow him to try to affect the personnel decision-making, he has proven a lot for a longer time now, even more so than coaching that he hasn't been able to hit on some guys. So, yeah. Dan Quinn also, too. Last thing there. Like, I got a text here saying, please don't ever bring up Dan Quinn again. Do you think he would be a good well, hire? Well, he's in the odds, and he's going to be a hot coaching candidate with the way this Dallas defense has played. So you can say that all you want, but he's going to be a coveted coach with the way this Dallas, is, this Dallas defense has played. Uh, he's already been familiar with the uh, division. And so I think that if he came in, I think he wouldn't be a bad hire. I don't. Yeah, I guess I just saw how it went in Atlanta. I'd like to have the unknown, but he's been great defensively. Yeah, they got to the Super Bowl. They did. They did get to a Super Bowl. Ron Rivera did too, though. I don't want to bring him back either. 704-570-9610. You can text us in the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. Time now for the Live Wire with Josh Fitty Marlowe. Live wires on the team. Connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. It's been a while since we've done the live wire. It does feel good to to be back. And uh, we got some great audio to play because, man, Dave Tepper, he's the gift that that keeps on giving. We've got sound bites for days because this guy, as much as any other owner in the NFL, 
likes to talk out of his behind. Jim Irsay likes to tweet out of his behind. And Dave Tepper likes to talk out of it. Okay. And uh, we had a text a moment ago referencing the type of coach that Dave Tepper wants. Is a yes man. Because as Dave Tepper made it known again today, he has the power to veto any and all decisions, business or football. No, it's been reported and we talked about it. Originally, we were going to go to the number two pick, and, and uh, we thought we'd get CJ because we thought the Texans were going to pick Bryce. And listen, we preferred Bryce. He was our number one pick. We had a lot of conviction. Um, but, uh, you know, the, in, in answer to your questions, it's just not the way the process was done. The process was done the way the process was done. And again, even though if there was a process with five people in the room and, four, and the way the votes came in, it was Frank was the first choice, I always could veto that choice. And even if it was Bryce and the votes came in unanimously in this particular case, I could have vetoed that choice. In both cases, I supported both choices, okay? I'm just going to say that I supported both choices. I supported the coaches. I supported the scouts, their unanimous opinion. Um, and I supported uh, Frank Reich. So um, whatever's good, bad, or indifferent is ultimately because the buck stops here and I take full responsibility for everything. How refreshing is it to know, guys, that your owner once again admitted that, yes, I am 100% involved with the football decisions that this organization makes and continues to make. And, you know, we, we, we've all seen the tweet from Benjamin Albright suggesting that he's even been involved with the play calling. Oh, yeah, we can read that. And it's it's really hard to, to say that that might not be the case because this guy, he's going to be involved no matter what's going on. And, and, and he doesn't mind letting people know that. If he didn't want Bryce Young, he would have vetoed that decision. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me one bit. And even though he said it was a unanimous decision by the staff, I mean, it's still he pushes the final button. So if he wanted Bryce Young, he was the guy ultimately responsible for the draft selection because he told you if I would have said no, it wouldn't have happened. The same thing with the head coach. I thought that was, by the way, I think the final question here with um, with Brett Jensen asking. He was leaving. They were about to get him on up out of there with a 10-minute long press conference, but we extended that to 14 because Brett fought to ask it, and it was a good one. It was about Bryce Young, the most important piece of this franchise right now. I thought the confirmation that they would have taken C.J. Stroud second was interesting, and I, if we were all to guess who would they have taken second overall if that was the eventual trade, then we would all would have guessed it would have been C.J. Stroud. I get that, but hearing the confirmation from the owner is interesting, though, because now we know. Now we know from the guy that, in his words, says the buck stops there. Now we know from the guy that has veto power that they would have taken C.J. Stroud second. I found that interesting. Remember, Tony Pauline came on these airwaves on this show and said that he had heard there was some interest in Anthony Richardson within that organization. That Frank Reich likes big QBs, even if he hasn't worked with somebody that mobile. Hell, how many coaches have worked with somebody as freak athletic as what Richardson is? But C.J. would have been that guy. McCown, Frank Reich, looking with big old googly eyes at C.J. Stroud at his pro day in Columbus. Yeah, it's just interesting there, and everybody's right. Veto power, it's always going to sit with David Tepper. How much do I believe that he was only there at the end of the decision? That I don't buy nearly as much. Yeah, I don't buy it either, and I think that there were people who did want C.J. Stroud and people that did want Anthony Richardson, but as we see, Tepper gets you out of here, and I do think that to some extent, if you would have disagreed, um, that he might have gotten you up out of the process uh, as well. But 
I just don't think that it was reported that Reich wanted C.J. Stroud for no reason. I don't think anybody made that up. I do think that was the guy that Frank Reich preferred, no matter what they say. What you got, Fiddy? Well, now we'll play really his last full comment from his presser today, which was he did voice his continued belief in the Panthers' number one pick, the aforementioned Bryce Young. As far as Bryce Young is concerned, I cannot say this, you know, for myself. And I think everybody in this building would share this sentiment. We are totally confident in that pick. Okay, I think the people that made that pick first, um, you know, would be totally confident in that. Um, You know, some of them you could ask. Okay. Um, And I think the, um, and, and for me, I'm totally confident in agreeing with that pick. I guess the problem or the question is, is why didn't your offensive-minded head coach coach confidently why he why he was the head coach for all of 11 games? And I guess, is, is it going to look any different with Chris Tabor as the interim and Thomas Brown now back being his play caller for the second time in a month? Are we going to see the confidence that this organization has off the field translate to on the field where it ultimately matters the most. I'm hoping that we can see something like Pittsburgh went through this past weekend where they finally fired somebody that was a problem as a play caller. Matt Canada no longer calling plays for Kenny Pickett in that offense. And that was the first time that they had gained over 400 yards in a long time. They made a change. Kenny Pickett has looked really bad this year. He's got some weapons. The offensive line, I think, has been better But, man, that offensive play calling, it was so poor, and there was a decent size change. But that was because of the offensive line, right, not playing better this year, and it's playing a lot worse this season with the Carolina Panthers. And so there are certainly different circumstances each QB is playing with. I'm hoping Thomas Brown can go back to maybe what he was successful with in college. I know people have been talking about RPO. Maybe that's something Bryce Young could experiment with, Thomas Brown, and be successful with in this offense. I'm hoping to see some real change, even if I don't see, from a production standpoint, a lot of change. Like, on the field, are you trying? Or are you just going to run a lot of the same stuff that you have? Am I going to see 13 screen passes that don't get the line to gain? How how many times am I going to see that anymore? That's what I don't want to see. Even if it doesn't come with a ton more production, I want to see that you're trying and implementing a new style and, you know, at least a couple of plays, Wes. Uh, I don't think there's going to be much of a difference, and here's why. Because a lot of times when you hear coaching situations, again, I go back to the Raiders with like a Josh McDaniels-type situation where the players couldn't stand the guy, and it felt like a dark cloud was over the locker room and the work environment was awful. I don't know how bad the work environment is over there because of Tepper and maybe some of the ownership, coaching, meddling issues. But Frank Reich was a really great guy and I'm sure really liked by a lot of the players. So I don't think that there's this relief from the players that he's gone now. I think the work environment around the coaching staff was pretty good. And so for that reason, I don't think there's going to be some big jump in um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Production. Demeanor. And the okay. demeanor and, and things like that of the players. Because I think a lot of them probably feel Frank Reich was let go unjustly. And so that's why I think that the struggles are going to continue. Because I don't think that the work environment warranted this rebirth and rising from the ashes type of feel now with the coach being gone. Last one, Fiddy. What else you got for us? We spent the last segment really starting to talk about the candidates that could maybe be in play for the job. Here's an interaction that Dave Tepper had being asked about 
if the struggles he's had as an owner, does he think it'll make it hard to attract quality coaches? Dave, you fired three coaches during the season, um, you know, in the, in the since the time you took over. Do you feel like that is going to make it more difficult to get a quality head coach here uh, if you hire one, choose to hire one, someone uh, next year? No. And why? I think that, I don't know, and again, I'm not going to get into it here, but I think Thanks. that, um, you know, it's, there are different reasons why different things happened in each, each case. Um, you guys see, like I said, everything is out in the field. Everything is known over time, and I think people know it, the league knows it, and people in the league know it. So I think that um, if we were, if we, everything was perfect, it wouldn't be the case. And everything was good. It wouldn't be the case. Thanks. So it's not as if it's not known out there. Reasons, and you know, that will be something for people to decide. Just generally speaking, and not here, but and not that this matters because this is here. But you know, in other aspects of my life, we have people for 20, 30 years that work for me. Nobody ever leaves me. Man. <sighs> uh, I think first I started out by saying we don't give a damn. Uh, about the people that work for you outside of the football realm. But, you know, when you look at this answer that he gave, it just was a whole lot of nothing. And so as far as it being a difficult job for another coach to take, of course he's going to say that because he knows at the end of the day I can use my greatest superpower of all, and that is the almighty green. Okay, whether you want to call it the green goblin or whatever the case may be, he's got a lot of it, and he can use that to... Uh, turn a lot of situations into his favor. That's what I gleaned the most from this answer. He's saying, no, it's not going to be difficult for a coach to take this job because I'm going to give them an offer they can't refuse. Now, can he get the coach in here for an interview? That is the question because we saw a couple of times he was not able to get that done. Yeah, same thing I'm saying, Roger the Irishman who writes in. What is he talking about? He went full Michael Scott. He lost he a sentence along the way. That's happened a lot, though. We saw that a lot in this press conference, which makes it more baffling. I, I did think that was actually a, an underrated moment from this press conference. He, what was he? Everything is known. Everything is known out in right. the field. You guys can make that decision for yourself. Whenever everything was great. It's it's always important to go back to the question when he goes on this rambling and doesn't answer it. The question was, do you feel good about bringing in coaching candidates that would be deserving of the job? Or because of all the turnover, do you think they would use that as a reason not to accept an opportunity with the Panthers? And he said, everything is known out in the field. I'm not going to get into any of the specifics with some of the other reasons as to why we moved on from different people, whatever, whatever, whatever. Eventually, he said, uh, people in my business ventures, they stick with me in 20 or 30 years. Well, I'm going to tell you, I don't think Ben Johnson is interested in learning about your hedge fund ventures. Like maybe he is, but that doesn't help us win football games. And so whoever you're going to hire to help win football games, that's what they want to know. Do they have some job security if the personnel around them isn't good and they're losing because some of the decisions that you might have affected as the meddling owner you are? And if I get my job taken away because of some of the decisions that you made, then why would I sign up for it? The reason would be because I'm still getting paid contractually as Frank Reich is still getting paid $30 million for the next four years not to work. We know about Matt Rule having signed a seven-year contract off the rip, getting paid not to work, and they even had a dispute about how much he was owed after he let, got let go. Yeah, man, it's a mess, and there are plenty of reasons to point to and say, 
Yeah, that's why it's not the most attractive job compared to other franchises. It's Wesson Walker finishing up the live wire here. Thanks to Josh Fiddy Marlowe. Let's move on and go to Second Take Tuesday, a late Second Take Tuesday, except in this edition, we take a look at Frank Reich's 11 games with the Panthers as head coach. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Just a couple more segments to go on Weston Walker. Lots of David Tepper conversation today. If you missed any of it or you want to hear it again, you can go to the website, WFNZ.com, and you can click on the Weston Walker tab. Big thanks to Scott Fowler joining us. Even if he didn't get to ask a question to David Tepper, he did get to answer some of our questions. And yes, it did last longer than 14 minutes, unlike David Tepper's press conference earlier today. You can text in and share some more of your thoughts and comments at 704-570-9610. That's the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. We haven't gone to Second Take Tuesday yet. Let's do it with Frank Reich and host a special edition of Second Take Tuesday. And let's go all the way back to the beginning, Wes. I mean, all the way back to the beginning before we saw a regular season game. Let's go to the preseason because it didn't look good. Frank Reich told us that, well, he's not really putting guys in the best position to succeed. Now, I was one that, okay, I understand the comment. It's an awful comment. Probably shouldn't say that, but I understood what you meant. The problem is I didn't see him not putting guys in the best position to succeed throughout his 11-game tenure with the Carolina Panthers. Wes, did we see this coming from Frank Reich in those first three games before we got to the regular season? Uh, I think we should have. I remember a lot of the texters and a lot of the people we interacted with, they thought the offensive line, you include a walker, you thought these guys were going to be able to hit the switch even after having a meeting, cursing each other out. and and, uh, We're not cursing each other out, but having a players-only meeting and guys cursing in the media and things of that nature, and yet and still they continued to look bad. And I then knew then that they were not going to be hitting all much from an offensive line perspective, and I knew it was going to all go downhill from there. And that is why I picked this football team to go 6-11. and 11. And so when Frank Wright came out and said what he said, which should be said by no coach ever, that I'm not trying to put my guys in the best position to win. I don't care if it's preseason. To me, that was the precipice of what was the beginning of a long season. Did I see 1-10 coming? No, but I definitely saw dysfunction and a lot of bad football on the way. And so to answer your question, yeah, to me, that started it all to where I was like, man, this might not be as good a hire as we think it is. When did we know he wasn't the guy? It could have been in the preseason. I think for me, I've gone back to the Minnesota game more so than any other game because once you lost against Minnesota— Minnesota was the game that was the last winnable contest before you had to go on the road and face Detroit and face Miami. And Fiddy kept mentioning it. 0-6 was on the table. Man, I I expected 0-6. If 0-4 was on the table, let's just go ahead and sim two weeks because you were going to be 0-6. <laughs> that was what was going to happen. And they actually scored 14 points on the Dolphins at the beginning of that game. And then they got beat 42-21 to on the road, despite them actually scoring a little bit early on. We all looked at that Vikings game. 0-3, can you stop the bleeding enough? to give us some hope before we eventually lose against Detroit and Miami, and they couldn't do it. And that offense looked terrible. You had a couple of bad turnovers in that one, and they never got right. And even if they beat Houston, 
I didn't expect this massive turnaround. I did think that they were going to start winning a few more games. I didn't expect it to regress as badly as it did against Indianapolis. But I'll go to those two games. Wes, I think early on, whew, when they only scored 13 against Minnesota, I was worried then. And then once they regressed against Indianapolis, they couldn't pick up the momentum that they had built off of the Texans victory. I was like, yeah, man, this is not going to end well. Yeah, I would go right there with you, the Indianapolis game, because like you said, they had started out and we saw a lot of offensive ineptitude. So I was already pretty much out of the Panthers business by then when you talk about believing that this was a team that could muster the six wins that I'd predicted. But then, like you said, after you beat Houston, I saw the cracks in the foundation there to where there was some goodwill. And Bryce did play well uh, in that game, and he had played well in the previous couple of games before that as far as yardage total, and you were starting to feel good about what you were seeing from him and felt like at some point he was going to turn the corner and more points were going to come. But then march into Indianapolis, and they come in. Just a very pedestrian performance. Bryce was awful. You really started to see some visible frustration from a guy to that point that I hadn't seen any visible frustration from before. And so you started to know that. But I think Chicago was really, really the nail in the coffin where you're like, this thing is really bad. When you were going against a team just as bad as yourself and you could only muster 13 points and didn't get the victory and Bryce was looking the way that he did, you're like, yeah, man, this is going to be a very long season. And it made it at that point extremely difficult to predict any win after that. You were just like, where are the wins going to come from if you can only put up 13 points on this team? So, yeah, realistically, and, and maybe going winless is realistic. I mean, how they had a game-winning field goal where Miles Sanders almost got in the way of a fourth-down conversion completed to Adam Thielen. If Miles Sanders does get in the way or they just don't complete it, over. then you're over. Frank Reich doesn't win a damn game in his 11 games that he was the coach here in Carolina. So, yes, I guess it technically could have been worse, but, boy, that's it. It went about as poorly as you could possibly imagine. The offense, it was dead in the water every single game. 10 points against Atlanta, 17 against New Orleans, 27 against Seattle. It's the only game Andy Dalton started at QB. And then as soon as Bryce Young is back in, which is another point about the Minnesota contest, as soon as Bryce Young came back, after that injury that people were throwing up conspiracy signs all across the board, they scored 13 against Minnesota. And remember, at that point, it felt like Minnesota was still trying to pick up the Brian Flores defensive assignment. They were blitzing nonstop. It seemed like there was room for big plays. They didn't hit big plays. Bryce Young fumbled. Wanham ends up recovering that fumble for a touchdown. And then it's 14-13 Minnesota. They punt the next possession. Minnesota scores a touchdown right after that. I mean, it was done in the blink of an eye. By lead. Nice knowing you. <laughs> They're not going to get many more of those leads as the year goes on. So Vikings first. And then you're right, Wes. Like, we can continue to explore that three-game stretch where they were all winnable games. The Texans now, I mean, even in hindsight, it's more amazing they beat Houston because they've been very good. C.J. Stroud, a few games after that, has you know vaulted himself into the MVP discussion. But when you get beat that badly against the Colts and the Bears game is that ugly, I think you're right. That was the final nail in the coffin. Maybe Tennessee because that was literally the last game that they played. But all those winnable games and for you to still not put up 20 points – then I, that, that's why in a vacuum I can understand why you move on from Frank Wright. Also, quick question, in hindsight, and we do see some people say this, but thinking about this, after that Minnesota contest that you talked about and after the performance the offense had against Seattle, do you think Frank Wright maybe in hindsight is like, 
man, maybe I should have gone back to Dalton after that Minnesota game and maybe we would have a couple more wins or maybe look better and I'd still have a job. Maybe. I wonder how much Frank Reich fought some of David Tepper's wishes. Whatever. If, if Scott Fitterer is just nothing. We, we don't talk about him, right? Mm-hmm. We, we talk about Scott Fitterer in the sense that we want him gone. But it's interesting. We go to David Tepper, Bryce Young, Frank Reich, and we just all expect Scott Fitterer to be gone. It was one of the confirmations we wanted in this Tepper press conference. But at least in my brain, I just kind of skip over him. I don't know what Frank Reich was saying to David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, about any Andy Dalton, Bryce Young conversation. If it was up to Frank Reich. I think he probably did want to go with the veteran QB. We know that from the offseason with reports that he would have been down to sign Derek Carr. We know about the C.J. Stroud love. There were plenty of reports there. And Andy Dalton, no, he's not Brock Osweiler, but he is a taller QB, certainly taller than Bryce Young. And, yeah, that was the only game we saw anybody throw for over 300 yards this season. Yeah, I think you're right, Wes. I, Frank Reich probably did want to go back to Andy Dalton, but David Tepper within his power. What happened? No, no. We're going to start the number one overall selection, and that's just how it's going to be. Any other interesting checkpoints along the way as you look back at this season? I thought the Andy Dalton 300-yard game I thought was interesting. Um, With Andy Dalton coming in, there was so much feedback on the text line. Hey, maybe we should just roll with him the rest of the year. So I thought that was interesting with it being on the road. I think we've covered a lot, but maybe that Cowboys game where we all expected doom, they actually stayed in it longer than I thought, and then it got bad. But any other checkpoints for you that you thought was interesting along the way? Yeah, I mean, the Atlanta game, even though it was the first game, that was kind of a precursor to everything that was going to happen because things didn't get better from there. You only scored 10 points. Bryce has two bad turnovers in this football game. And it was like, all right, yeah, this is just the first game, whatever the case may be. But then the passing totals, 146. He goes 153 the next week against a New Orleans defense that we respected then. Then 204 against Minnesota. But the Atlanta game kind of was, in a way, letting me know that this offense wasn't going to be that explosive because I continued to see the same play from the offensive line that I had already seen in the preseason. Now, they had a little bit of a decent first half as far as protecting him. But in the second half, the bottom fell out. And I see some people say this, and I saw a text there. Uh, say this as well, and I heard somebody else talking about this, a 704 number that talks about he wouldn't change the offensive line scheme even though he knew we didn't have players for zone block, and that's when I knew. First of all, there's no such thing as a offensive line scheme. You run the offense that you run. Then every play that you call is not a zone blocking play, but zone blocking for linemen is not that difficult to where you have to have specialized linemen for zone blocking. You have inside zone and you have outside zone. And the inside zone is going to be a little bit more of a wider step and going up the field. And then the outside zone is going to be more lateral where you're trying to get on a guy's inside shoulder. And then the running back picks the hole. But that's the thing about a zone is a running back can make you right. So if you have a pretty good running back and you're running zone blocking, he's going to make you look right if you guys just do halfway what you're supposed to do on a play. So... I don't think that's necessarily the case. The guys just aren't skilled because we've seen this group, no matter if it's what type of blocking that they're doing, whether it's man zone, whatever the case may be, we've seen them get manhandled inside, outside. It doesn't matter. It's just that this just isn't a talented group. And that's the thing I wonder, too, did Frank know he was over his head because he had to see not only in the preseason games, but in practice, 
that this offensive line ain't it, cuz. Yeah, I, how much <laughs> – I'll, I'll still say this. Even watching this season unfold, I am a little surprised that the running game hasn't been more of a factor because – I don't think that the offensive line, maybe Chandler Zavala, he's been bad, but there, I think even he has had a decent running uh, run blocking grade here and there. The offensive line, clearly their strength, maybe outside of Taylor Moten, is run blocking. Like that's it's it's compared to pass blocking. Icky is going to be better, you know, making a hole for somebody to run through it. Same thing with Corbett when he's in there. I thought same certainly for Bozeman. Bozeman is just terrible in pass protection. And so, Panthers have a 50.9 run block grade according to PFF. Well, no, but even individually, I wondered, like, it's there. Well, look at the pass blocking grade. Doesn't make me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. The bar is not high, but is it still just bad run blocking and not a great playmaker in the running back game? Like, Chuba Hubbard has been good enough picking up hard yards, but. Um, is there any meat on the bone there to be explored? If you're Thomas Brown saying, okay, maybe this is what we do the best. Maybe there's more to explore. Well, I think Chuba does a great job, especially when you talk about that zone blocking, because he finds the hole and he hits it. And so when you want to go to the grades analytically, Ike Aquano has a 76.5 uh, run blocking grade. The next highest grade is Bradley Bozeman with a 65. Taylor Moen has a 64. And then after that, you just know, I mean, these grades aren't sterling anyway. And then it just continues to go down from there. But uh, but 65, that's like, according to Pro Football Focus, if you look at what their grades are, like it's pretty, it's decent enough. 70 is pretty, yeah, it is. And 70 is good. That's why it's in the green. I always thought about yeah, and I and I figured that much. I just always thought about when we got graded and how it was it just like school grades, like you know, ninety, eighty, seventy. Oh no, no, all <laughs> that stuff. Like, that, like in your, and you got like, you got like five A students in the NFL. If that's right, the case. right, right. So yeah, but uh, but I think that's why Chuba does well because he ran a lot of that type of stuff in college. Man, when you got a back that's just gonna be a one cut and go guy, they're definitely built for a zone blocking scheme. So yeah, I, maybe Tom Thomas Brown can. I don't. I don't know. What about offensive? line when you're doing rpo stuff does that affect you at all um not really it just depends if you have guys that are starting in like a up stance where it's tough to describe but when when you see the guys up and their hands not in the dirt basically that can affect some guys because some dudes do like to get down and get that hand in the dirt and get that momentum rolling so if you're running it out of the gun and guys are in the up stance, yeah, that can make a little bit of a difference with some guys. Yeah, I mean, hopefully something can be a difference as we move on post-Frank Reich. Chris Tabor, it's funny. We got comments from the interim head coach, and we didn't really talk about it today. He didn't give us a whole lot. He discussed how much he wants to keep in-house. But maybe, And he's a fiery guy. You see some of the videos that they put online of him, man. He gets fired up. I think people like Chris Taper. I think we know what he is, it, right? He's he's going to be the special teams coordinator, promoted interim head coach. He's not going to be here after this season. I can't imagine. I mean, you would have to run the table, and even then, people are still going to want Ben Johnson over Chris Taper, right? People are still going to want some of these other oh, names. Yeah even if he does go undefeated the rest of the way. But I hope he does a good job for himself. He's already done a good job special teams, even more so than James Campen. People still asking about him on the text line, being known as one of the better offensive line coaches in the NFL, but it being so bad this year, I'll say special teams has been pretty good. Whether it be Eddie DeNero, Hecker, of course, actually some momentum in the return game every now and then, got the touchdown against Chicago. So Chris Tabor, we'll see what he can do as the head coach the rest of the way. We have one more segment to go on Wes and Walker. We have one last fitty flash to get to beforehand. 
Hit it, Fitty. What you got? Some good news for the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to activate Justin Jefferson off of IR, and he will come back for them after their bye week. They're 6-6 six six after a heartbreaking defeat last night to the Bears. And tonight, the highly anticipated inaugural ACC-SEC Challenge gets underway. KC Steve was wondering, Wes, why that didn't make it into the campus corner. <laughs> I had to tell him that you being a Wake Forest guy, not a big of a college hoops fan, but tonight we get uh, Canes and Kentucky in a top 12 matchup. It should be a fun one. I am a college basketball fan, okay, uh, but we only get one segment. I can't stuff all the college football that we had and college basketball. I only get 13 minutes. I didn't okay? realize that Wake Forest alums were big college basketball fans. Why? Can I ask? Did y'all yeah. make the tournament last year? Did you? When's the last time y'all won a national championship? It's been a little minute, huh? When's the last time you okay. made the Final Four? Well, that's not ideal in our program, okay? We just don't <laughs> do it. So that's why it's not fun to mess with me because I'm not going to be sitting here saying, wait, going to the Final Four. Either way, I'm going to enjoy some of the games tonight. Kentucky and Miami should be a lot of fun. The ACC-SEC deal, I like it. Um, you know, I wish we could get the one-up on them in football. Even though the ACC is 6-4 and four overall this year against the SEC, but... Basketball, hopefully they can take the crown. You remember how y'all used to always say it was me dividing your relationship in two instead of it being he one? He does it. It's fitty. Yeah. And how? I don't know why. It, you've been on Wake Forest a lot here recently. That has to be Carolina football frustration playing out in Wake Forest tape. Yeah. Has to be. Because there's is. been a big old uptick yeah. this season. Really? The yeah. basketball team looking mediocre again, and then, you know, football faltering down the stretch, his quarterback choking again down the stretch. I mean, I mean what more could you uh, ask for? You used a whole city flash as a platform <laughs> to hate LeBron and Wake Forest today. Yeah. It's basketball season, folks. It is. And that means. Ganging up on me like a wolf pack. I know. Oh, my bad. That was Saturday. Oh. It's like Peyton Wilson all this, over again. See, this yeah. is why. It's just. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Don't make me call Peyton Wilson. You know, I, I used to be proud of the job Miss Fonda did raising her son, and then like your oh, last no. two shows have really made me question her parenting. Okay, so now you're questioning Miss Fonda, Miss yeah. Bryant's parenting. Fitty cannot be stopped. Let's move on before he gets in some real trouble. <laughs> One more segment to go. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs> concerned for Fiddy's health that he went after Mama Bryant's parenting as they should. DJ Skinner was all for the heel talk. He said, all caps, go heels. And then after Fiddy made the last remark, he said, okay, Fiddy might end up deceased talking parenting. I'm out of it now. Panther Bo said, uh, my guy might be a menace, but he's already got hours one and two of the show uploaded for my plane ride. Safe travels. To Mr. Panther Bo. <laughs> oh, you can say safe travels to him day of his, his flight. Yep. I did not say it the day of your flight. I said it the day before, and I said it to you in person. And Wes did the same thing, even if you're going to try to make us feel bad for not texting it to you, even though we already said it. Both right. of us said it. Both of us said it. But that's, that's fitty for you. <laughs> All right. Let's go to a couple of other texts. Last thing. Uh, you called me a nerd because 704 wrote in, Hey, Walker, changing the subject from football to fish. I know you're a fish guy. What do you think of the tank? 
pretty sweet tank, man. Told him a couple tips, maybe put some plants in there, and then get that thing decked out. It looks a pretty sweet. tank decorated. Look at that. Yeah, I know. It looks pretty sweet. And so once you put a few more plants in there, it'll be really cool. And yes, I totally understand that I am an absolute nerd. 704-570-9610. Feel free to uh, send in some photo finished text, whether it be you know telling Fitty to chill out. I know Brian also said on the text line, I've got $50 on Mama Bryant in the first round against Fitty. <laughs> oh, she calls you Glass Joe with Damn. Mike Tyson. Man, well, you know, look, <laughs> it'd be an unfortunate way to go, but uh, Mama Brian and I are good. We're 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 in each other's DMs. We talk a lot, so I feel like I'm gonna be safe with with what I said. Well, and this is the thing too about Fitty, man. We we know Mama Bryant has come to his defense, and yet still he, he has, questions yep. her parenting. Yep. Nobody is safe, even the people that defend. Fitty. Well, I mean, she's just got to look at the way her son, her son be acting sometimes, and the her way son be acting. You know, and I, <laughs> I've heard, I've, I've, I've heard her parent Wes like, a time or two. I've heard her parent Bryce a time or two. Mm-hmm. So you know, she just needs to tell her, her son to get back in line, man. Quit, quit, quit trying to be cool. It's, it's not cool to hate Carolina West, man. It's well, she hates them more than me. I was gonna say, uh, but yeah. you see, I think it's because you're a bad influence. No, on her. she see that was one of the reasons that started it all. Her and my uncle both were big. They hated Carolina, so I adopted that from them. And then when personal things happened to me with the heels, that made it worse. What personally happened to you when they beat the Fab Five? Yeah, I, thought, I, I really thought this was like some high school recruiting. No, 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 story. no, yeah, right. I, no, absolutely. They wanted also? me. No, they wanted me. I went to I went to Carolina and told them I was there to see uh, Florida State in the eat. So I wait, that, Peter Work and them. I was there for them. That I do want to ask you. <laughs> of all the moments in your life that you could rank, how good did it feel that North Carolina wanted you and you never intended on committing? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. You know, I went to the <laughs> game and watched Peter Work and those guys warming up. And I told him, I said, I'm here to see y'all. I'm not here for them. How good was that game? Oh, it was good. Florida State lit them up. Peter Work went off. I think he had a punt return for a touchdown in that game. I got to see Peter Work and all his splendor uh, in that football game. Um, Big Cat Dan said, no more pound cake for Fitty. Yeah, that might get him to change his tune. He needs his pound cake. And then Jonathan said, shaking my head, Fitty, you cool because you're a Tar Heel fan, but stay in your lane, itty bitty. Yeah, I think people are uh, just making sure that you're going to be okay out here. You had a comment? Yeah, I'm going to be all right. <laughs> I've been knocked down before I got back up. At least it wasn't the plane ride that did. It was Mama Bryant that you should have been scared of. You should have been crying for an hour instead of 30 minutes on the plane, but an hour with Mama Bryant mm. coming at you. Um, Chris Tabor spoke today, too, and it was hilarious. We didn't really get to him. <laughs> it, was, it was all David Tepper. We got tomorrow. We do have tomorrow. Maybe we can give the people a little appetizer about Chris Tabor. I So my girlfriend texted me. One comment from Chris Tabor. She watched the press conference and she said, um, did the interim Panthers head coach just say he wants a team that looks like a unit to play with unity? Real astute. Like, look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to clown Chris Tabor. Like, what do you want from him, man? You know, he's coming in there. I thought he was totally fine up there. Didn't have any problem with what he said. He's going to keep things in house. This is a, what you had a problem with some stuff. No, he said? Did you find it weird that Dave didn't even bother enough to introduce him to the the media that he called up there. Oh, he had to get up out of there. Fitty. Like yeah. he was gone. And then like 30 minutes or 30 seconds later, here comes Chris Tabor. Like you couldn't even like introduce him to the media or 
Well, he was hustling out of there, and we heard that uh, a lot of media were asking David Tepper, why'd you call us down here? Hey, uh, look, don't ask me about my business. You do what you, this is your job. You get paid to write about sports. Just show up when I tell you to show up, okay? <laughs> you on one today, man. You've been nailing it today. But that's why David Tepper didn't do it. I don't know if he would have done it anyway, but he had to get out of there. It's amazing that he answered one more question that he did. Yeah, the, he came back. The last one. So, yeah, I mean... And he even said it was okay, but PR is telling him, hey, you know, that was it, that was it, that was it. And as he's walking out, Joe Person, you know, lets one more loose and says, hey, Scott Fitter, you know, does he feel, should he feel good or whatever the word was? And David Tepper didn't answer it. Yeah. So that's why he didn't get anything. I wonder how much Chris Tabor is going to age in the next six weeks of the way Frank Reich did in eight months. It's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because I think this happened over the weekend, maybe last week when people were pointing out Frank Reich's hair color at the beginning of this season compared to what it was Ooh. at the end. The same thing happened with James Borrego, by the way. I J wonder why. Jay, well, mm. there, there's no wonder. But James Borrego, at the beginning of his tenure, his introductory press conference, you know, jet black hair, at least that's how it looked to me comparably. Jet black hair, young, no beard. Boy, there was a lot of gray in a grown beard. And it was crazy, too, just to go to show you how the sport works, how sports work in general. Before he was fired, he was top five and longest tenured NBA coaches. Mm. Held on to like four years, and that was enough to be top five longest tenured coaches in the NBA. That's stress, man. It is stress. <laughs> We've seen it. And we've seen it with all sorts of presidents. We've seen it with all sorts of coaches. I don't know if Chris Tabor is going to be susceptible to that in just you know a handful of yeah, games. He's, he's playing with house money. He's not too worried. Yeah, I, mean, I guess there's not a lot of stress yeah, there. He's not thinking about being an NFL head coach. Who, I don't think. Who do you think has the most stressful job now? Me. As far as... <laughs> As far as what, on the Panthers coaching staff? Yeah, coaching staff. Just Because Scott Fitterer would be the answer because his job is in such jeopardy. Yeah. But just on the coaching staff. Uh, I would say Thomas Brown. Because, I Because, you know, everybody's going to be looking to see, especially now more than ever, because he did get a little bit of grace when Frank Rank first gave him the offense because everybody was like, well, what can you do with it right now? But now that Reich is gone, they want to see if it's going to be completely different. And I think this is a chance for him to prove himself. But again, I'm not expecting much because as I've always said, with that offensive line, I'm just not expecting much. I agree with you. And actually the last thing we can end on, and we can talk maybe more about it tomorrow. When Frank Reich took back play calling duties from Thomas Brown, it was the biggest sign of dysfunction this year. That was it for everyone. But even if we could get mad at Frank Reich, that's why I always thought of David Tepper as being another person you should get mad at because it felt like there was an ultimatum. He got fired just two more games after that, right? So two more play calling duties for him. One against Tennessee. You can understand why it might not work against Dallas, but David Tepper saying, hey, you got to fix it in the next couple of games, and if it doesn't work, then you're out of here. I can understand why Frank Reich would do it. The problem is... Is David Tepper saying for Frank to give the play calling to Thomas Brown and then take it back? It's just always a mess. And so hopefully Thomas can do the best he possibly can with the situation at hand here to finish out yeah, the season. Yeah, I mean, Everett's got a top 10 total defense, so he's good in the hood. But uh, Thomas Brown needs yep. to try to 
muster something, give a glimpse into his potential in some type of way. Hopefully we can see it. That'll do it for Weston Walker. We got a lot more to get to throughout the week, so make sure you tune in once more tomorrow from 12 to 3. But don't turn that dial at all. Keep it right here. Kyle Bailey Show coming up next alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.